chapter 7 and verse 24. We are just about finished with the Sermon on the Mount. We'll finish it off today and move into Matthew chapter 8, because that's what's next. So we'll slowly plodding our way through um, Jesus' first gospel and Jesus' message here. So if you've been here for many of the other ones, you try to draw on the other things as you as you uh, hear what we're what we're going to go through. Uh, we don't want to isolate these passages, and so if you if you're familiar with some of the other passages, you know, make a note or draw draw something that will um, direct your attention back to other things. You can compare the entire message as a whole together. Last Sunday, we considered the importance of having a proper foundation for our faith. You kind of might have caught the theme there this morning as we continue that theme of having a firm foundation. And it really begins with the previous passage when uh, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. We see what happens when someone makes things like good works and profession of faith their foundation upon which they build. We know that everyone, not everyone, who calls Jesus Lord will enter the kingdom. The question that we must ask ourselves is how can we know that the, that the foundation we have built on is the right one? And is it going to be strong enough when that foundation is tested? Or as Jesus refers to the last day, will it be strong enough in the last day? As Jesus reached the end of His great sermon here, he finished off with this final illustration. And there's, there's one little extra piece to the puzzle that he includes in this, in this illustration that hasn't been included yet. And so as these people are listening to the greatest message ever preached by the greatest preacher and teacher that ever lived, it's time for them to respond. It's time for them to make the response. Now we have to realize that every single person in the audience that day that heard Jesus' message made a response. Every person, just like each of us, will make a response today. And it doesn't matter if you respond to Jesus, because as you'll see, everybody did. What matters is how you respond. How you respond to Christ and His message makes all the difference. And Jesus basically narrows it down to two different responses that a person can have. Simply do it or don't. It's really what he's saying. Here's the message. Here's the teaching. Here's how you'll respond. Do it or don't. And what we're going to see here, I hope that you will see, is that the only proper response to Christ's teaching is obedience. This final illustration is a very simple and straightforward one. Many of you probably... Grew up in, if you grew up in church, you sang the song, The Wise Man Built His House in the Rock. And the rain came tumbling down. And you know all the hand motions that go with it. And you know uh, the, the, the truth behind this passage. And as I've said before, when we come to passages such as this, uh, it is both comforting to, to, to reach a passage that I am very familiar with, but it's also a little bit concerning because I have a tendency, just as I think many of us do, to come to passages that we think we know and we gloss over them because I already know what it means. What does the passage say, first of all? There were two men. Each one built a house. One built on rock. One built on sand. When a storm came, only the house that was built on rock was left standing. That's his illustration. That makes uh, total sense. 
really simple, and yet it is very profound. Because what Jesus meant goes much deeper than just what He said. What did He want the hearers in this story, in, the, in this audience to understand before they, they left His presence? And, mo- and, and maybe as important or more important to us is how does this apply to me today? Jesus explained that those who heard His teaching and did what He said, or they obeyed Him, were like wise men. We see there at the very beginning there of of verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. So the, 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 the formula there is hearing plus doing equals wisdom. He also says that there were other people that who heard but did not do, and they also uh, are likened to someone. They are likened to the fool. A fool who builds his house on sand. Now, from the very beginning, Jesus has been speaking on the kingdom of heaven. The very very beginning of the sermon, He's been speaking on the kingdom of heaven. If you remember, just a little bit of a a review from all of the things that we've been studying, it seems in the past four months or so, at the very beginning of His sermon, Jesus described those people who will enter the kingdom. He he, uh, used the the Beatitudes, the blessed are those people, blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, and and blessed are the meek and all those people. But He also describes them as salt, and he describes them as light. Then in the second part of the sermon, he describes the righteousness of those people that will enter in. And it was all of the phrases that says, you've heard it this, but I say unto you this. And, and he says, your, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. He says things like, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He says such things as love your enemies. Don't be anxious. Treasure the things of heaven rather than the things of earth. Give Pray and fast. Do your righteousness in order to get the Father's attention rather than to get man's attention. And then finally, as we get to the this last section that we've been in a couple of weeks now, beginning in verse number 13 of chapter 7, we see this application. This is the, the final uh, uh, emphasis of his sermon. He, is, he has taught everything he wants them to know in the sermon, and now he, he calls for a response, and he's been calling for it Uh, beginning with the words, enter by the narrow gate in verse number 13. There's only one way to enter. It's narrow. It's hard. He warned that, that there are those who would divert us from entering through the narrow gate. These are the false prophets who disguise themselves as sheep that are actually wolves. These are those who would steer us to a wide and easy gate, but not the one that leads to life. They'll promote a broad form of religion. One that is easy and, 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 and fits within your schedule and your plans. It's one based on works and professions, but not truth. Jesus revealed their error and the danger that they uh, are following them in verse 21 when He says that, that although they claim Christ's authority to do these wonderful deeds, they won't end up in life. Uh, they, 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 Christ never knew them. And they never entered the they they never entered the proper gate, and therefore they won't enter life. They don't produce good fruit because they're not good trees. They never did the will of God because He's not their Father. They made a profession, but it lacked belief. And just as Jesus is for the past several verses has presented two of many different things to help us to understand it. It narrows it down. It's one or the other. There are two different kinds of prophets. 
There are two different kinds of trees. There are two different kinds of professions. There are two gates. And now we get to this last illustration and see that there are two kinds of builders and two houses. Namely, two foundations upon which someone built the house. And ultimately, these all have a very different outcome. I want to begin by pointing out the similarities between these two men as we as we get into the into the message here. First, I want you to notice that they're all built. They're both builders. Both of these men, the one that is likened as a wise man and the one that is likened as a foolish man, both are builders. They both heard the words of Christ. They've both been inspired to do something about it. These are the people who sat in Jesus's message. He wasn't in a church building, but if you put it in our in our uh, context, they sat in the pews together and they both built houses. These could be people who identify as disciples of Christ himself. At the very least, we can say that they are both interested in hearing what Christ has to say because they both heard the message. They both walked out and found Jesus and sat down listening to his disciples. They listened to the message and they are motivated to do something about it. They build. They have the same desire. They've heard the message. Now they have the same desire. We both want to build a house. They both have the same intentions. We are going to build something. We are going to build a life that, uh, that, 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 will, that will carry us into, into life, if you will. They both desire to enter the kingdom that Jesus described all throughout His sermon. And if these houses represent a life that is lived, then both of these men are desiring something that is good. Something that I think we desire. Lastly, see that they both responded. They both built a house. They both uh, had the same desire to do something with what Christ talked about. He was motivating them. And so they said, yes, we want to do something. And they both went out and they did the exact same thing. They both built a house. We both had the same desire. They both heard the same thing. And who both set about to achieve it. These men uh, very well were uh, in the, likely in the same location. Uh, we see that they had similar circumstances. They, they very well could have been neighbors in this illustration, sharing the same experiences like we share experiences today. Just like us, they may have attended the same synagogue together. They would have sat side by side in the pew or whatever kind of bench they had in those days and listened to the same Scriptures read, sung the same songs, prayed the same prayers, listened to the same teacher, and yet they did very different things. They were neighbors. So we have these two men. They both have heard the same thing. They both have had the same desire, the same goal. They have the same activity. They both set about to achieve the goal that they have in mind. We could say this another way. We could say that they both entered a gate. They both traveled down a path. They both made a profession. They both expect to end up in the kingdom and find life at the end of their road. The other thing we find that they had the same was that they experienced the same kind of test. Look there in verse number uh, 25. It says that the rain fell, the floods came. The winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Look down in verse number 27. It's the exact same words. The rain fell. The floods came. The winds blew and beat against that house. They both experienced the same conditions. A strong, violent storm. First, the rain came. So much that the rivers began to rise. 
This was a rain that, that continued far beyond the usual because it resulted in a flood. Possibly a flash flood in that region of Palestine because of the, the, the climate conditions. It wasn't uncommon for an extended heavy rain to uh, suddenly turn a dry creek bed into a raging river because the ground can only absorb so much and then uh, it just floods down. On top of this sudden deluge of water, the wind picks up. And instead of a steady breeze or a single gust of wind, we know living in Sherman, you know what it's like to have a strong wind. And uh, the, just last summer, that big tree that was right here in the back, uh, the backyard of the parsonage fell down. And it fell down in the only place it could have without doing any damage. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I've watched that tree for ever since we moved here sway in the strong winds and think one of these days, one of these days it came down and it didn't break and didn't damage anything. Because the wind is a powerful thing. And that's that type of wind here. Not a steady breeze or just a single gust of wind, but something that just keeps beating, uh, even kind of implying that it's coming from many different directions. Jesus describes several winds that continually beat against these two houses. This storm is a strong one. Attacks from all sides in all directions. Not just the wind, but the rain and the floods and all of these things with one intent to destroy these two houses. In our case, it's not very difficult to see the comparison. Some people would interpret this as the storms of life. The things that kind of rock your world. Shake your faith, some people would say. These could be things like the news of cancer. Be the news of the loss of a loved one, the betrayal of a spouse or a close friend, the loss of a job, or a host of other traumatic events that just shake us to the core. Others would suggest that this storm represents the judgment that is to come in the last day. And we all stand before Christ. We are judged. Whatever storm Jesus intended is something that has the potential to literally destroy a house and a life. Some of you know what it's like to watch a house or a barn come down with a crash. You've seen fire consume a building, maybe your own, maybe someone else's house. You know the damage that that does. Not just physically. Not just the physical damage that it does to that building, but what it does to you as you watch Everything that you own go up in flames or be flooded and completely ruined or completely lost to the circumstances. It's a big deal. And yeah, you can say, or maybe people try to remind you, it's just stuff and you can replace those things, but the loss affects you emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally. Some of you know what it's like to go through a personal storm. It's not a literal storm. It's not one that everyone else experienced. It's private. It's one that maybe just you and your family go through. Or maybe it's just one that, that you go through all on your own. And it can affect you just as badly, if not more. Maybe no one else knows what you're going through. Everyone else around you seems to be happy and healthy and merry, and you're going through the storm of your life. Inside, things are much different. For you, the sun isn't shining, the rain keeps coming, the waters are rising, the wind is blowing stronger than you've ever felt it before, more than you ever knew it could. That house, that life you've built, 
starting to creak, shake in the wind. All you can do is wonder if that house is going to stand. You can do nothing but wait and see. Pray that the storm is going to end soon and that your life doesn't come crashing in all around you. Let me just say that as a reminder to those of us, there are people sitting even in our own midst right now, that though they have a smile on their face, though they've shaken your hand and they've said it's good to see you and they maybe mean it as much as they can, they might be holding on for dear life inside. There might be something going on in their life that no one else knows about or maybe only a few people know about, but they're here this morning and they're in a storm and they figured out a way to put on a brave face and put on a smile, but you never know what kind of a private storm a person is going through. That's one of the reasons that we have a church family because we have a community of people who can, whom we can begin to build strong connections and relationships with and we can trust and, you know, I, I don't necessarily uh, have the ability to take away the storm that you're going in, but I can sit with you through it. I can pr- try to encourage you. I can pray for you through those things. We can love them through it. And that's what it means when the Bible tells us to grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn. That's, that's what church is for. And that's why, that's why I keep uh, emphasizing, don't just come and leave. Come late and leave early. Uh, stick around. We have the, the little afternoon things or, or coming early for church or staying a little bit later or whatever it may be to, to get to know people and begin to, to develop these bonds and these relationships with people. And it's not just for your benefit. It's for their benefit. So don't just say, well, I've got my people. But look at the people outside. Do they have someone? Do the people that have been in a church recently within the past year or two or five, do they have people that can help sit with them through their storms? Because their storms are real just as much as yours are. This, this, this portion of church that we come to is, is, is both uh, for me and for you. I have a responsibility to be fed and to be encouraged, but I have a responsibility to do that for you too. And it's not me because I'm the pastor standing up here. It's, it's me because I'm a part of the body just as you are. And as you come, uh, recognize the fact that it may be great for you. It might not be for the person sitting next to you. It might not be for the person sitting across the aisle. And we've got to make those attempts to get up and go and see them and, and spend time with them and get to know them and find out what is going on and how can I pray for you and how, how can I try to be a blessing and, and, and be a comfort to you and, and, and help you weather this storm. It's important. Getting back to our story, as similar as these two houses are and these two builders are, there's a huge difference between the two. As stated before, the difference is not in what they built, it's in how they built it. They both built a house. And even the way that Jesus describes the two houses and the way that He crafts the illustration makes me think of two identical houses. Yet they were built very differently. Jesus described the first man as someone who Heard, but also obeyed. He did what he heard. Luke's parallel account of this in Luke 6.48 describes that the man dug deep into into the earth until he hit rock. I always thought about this story as a wise man built his house on a rock, and in my little mind, I pictured this house on a cliff on the rocky cliff, and that's where he built his house up there. And then the fool, he built his house on the sand, right on the shoreline. But that's not what it's talking about here. This word rock here is talking not about a big boulder rock. It's talking about the bedrock. 
That's why Luke says that he dug deep. This man dug deep into the ground until he hit rock, until he couldn't go any further, and there he sunk the pillars. This man built on a rock. The hot and sunny, uh, the, the hot sun and dry temperatures of this, of this climate of, that Jesus was speaking to them here make, would have made the surface feel hard enough and feel strong enough, but he's a wise man. He knew that he had to dig way beneath the surface. He knew he had to get deeper into the soil until he could dig no more and find that bedrock, and there he would establish his house. He not only heard what Jesus taught, he did what Jesus taught. And the obedience was in how he built his house. See, everybody in this room is building a house. We're all building a house. We're all building some type of a life together, but the problem is we don't all build it the same way. And as Jesus describes to us, there are only two ways to do it. We all hear the same things when we come to church. I think we all desire the same things. That's why we keep coming to church. And we even do some of the same things. But not everybody is doing it the same way. There are some of us, and I can't tell who they are, and you shouldn't try either, but we are building on the wrong foundation. You're like the second man in the story who built his house differently than the first. The foolish man heard the same things that Jesus said, but he didn't do what Jesus said. Instead of digging down to the rock, he built on the sand. He built on the surface. And that's what Jesus meant here when he says that not everybody who hears this message is going to respond in obedience. Some are going to hear the message and ignore it. Or at least do it a little differently. They're going to try to take the message and fit it to what they want to do. Christ taught us how to build the house. Scripture clearly teaches us how to build a life, how to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's by the narrow gate. But He says few find it. He says that many will enter a wide gate and consequently many will hear the words, never knew you. Depart from it. I have to ask the question, why would this man not do what Christ taught? Why would someone build on the sand. Why is this guy who is listening to the greatest preacher? That actually gives me comfort because I don't, I don't consider myself to be a, a great preacher or teacher, but I get frustrated when I preach stuff and I think, I hope they get it. I hope people get it. And, 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 and of course, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. But I'm, you know, it is frustrating to preach and teach and then watch people do the exact opposite. But Jesus, the greatest teacher of all, spoke to people who heard it and went and did otherwise. Why did this man build this way? Well, maybe it's because it's much faster to build on sand than it is to dig down to the rock. Maybe it's because it's easier. It requires a lot less effort. And it obviously achieves the desired result in half the time and with less work. Like the two little pigs. Some of you are waiting for me to give that, 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 that uh, illustration. The two little pigs who built with straw and sticks. They realized they could build a house and they could dance and play the rest of the day while the other little pig continued to sweat it out. They, they could enjoy the benefits of a house with minimal effort. This foolish man thinks he found a shortcut to building a house and enjoying life more. At first, he seems to have accomplished exactly what the wise man is trying to do, but that man is still building. He's still sweating in the hot sun. 
he's still getting tired and dirty and missing out on life. Maybe it's because the man was too short-sighted. Maybe it's because this foolish man did not count the cost. Maybe he thought that hard-packed sand was strong enough. Digging further down was good, but it's not necessary. I mean, obviously, I can build a house that looks exactly like his without having to do all of that. Maybe that's what he thought. Maybe he was persuaded by another builder, by one of these builders in sheep's clothing that convinced him that a surface-level structure is good enough. Maybe he heard from other teachers who advised him differently than what Jesus taught. And he's just not quite sure who to believe. Maybe it's because the man is selfish. Maybe the man was looking for the benefits of the kingdom that Jesus talked about without the ruler of that kingdom and without its rules. Martin Lloyd-Jones suggested this when he, in, in, his, in, in his illustration. He suggested that it warns us against the danger of seeking and desiring only the benefits and blessings of salvation and resting upon our apparent profession of them. Maybe it's because the man was too proud unwilling to submit to Jesus' Lordship. Yeah, he'll call Jesus Lord, but as Jesus said in Luke, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? This man wants to retain control of his own life. I'll build my house my way. It'll be better. It'll be faster. It'll be easier. You cannot have the benefits of the kingdom without its rules. You cannot have the benefit of the kingdom without its ruler. Jesus is not selling us on the benefits of having a good life now. And He's not trying to, te to teach us how we can have an eternal retirement in paradise one day. He's trying to bring us back to God. He's showing us the way to the Father. And He's proclaiming the only way to avoid destruction and ruin. And because of this one difference, this foundational difference, the violence of the storm left only one house standing. See, the house built on rock endured the rain, the floods, and the wind. As Luke says, it could not be shaken, for it was well built. It was founded on rock. The house built on sand looked so much like the other that represented the hopes and dreams of a sincere but sincerely wrong builder didn't last came down with a great crash. It not only fell, but Matthew emphasized at the end of the, of the end of the passage there in verse number 27, it was a great fall. The storm tested the houses and revealed the differences between them. The testing reveals the foundation of a house and it was only because of the rock foundation that the wise man's house stood firm. These are those who will enter the kingdom. These are those who hear what Jesus said and do what Jesus said. They truly call Him Lord and obey His commands. They do the will of God because He is their Father in heaven. They took a difficult path. It was narrow and it was demanding. And it didn't allow for their own ideas and plans. They're known by Christ. They bear good fruit. Their house is still standing. Friends, there's no substitute for doing what Jesus said. Hearing is not enough. Simply knowing the truth is not enough. You can come to church every Sunday for the rest of your life and hear every message that is ever preached. 
You can read the Bible from cover to cover a hundred times, but if you don't do what Christ commands, your house will not stand. You'll know exactly why it fell, because you know so much. But it won't keep your house from falling unless it's built the right way. That's why James wrote that we should be doers of the Word and not just hearers only. If we only hear, he says, we deceive ourselves. We think we've built a house that will last, but the storms come by and prove us to be wrong. The question you must ask yourself, each of us, will my house stand? Will the life I've built stand up to the storm? Because we're all building a house. What did you build yours on? Each person's house. That profession that we all make. I, I assume that we all would make the same profession this morning that Jesus is Lord. That profession will be tested. Whether it be in this life or at the last day. And the warning to every hearer is this. The same warning that was to the hearers in Matthew 7 is the warning that is to us today. Obey Christ. Just as Jesus said earlier that it's not enough to say Jesus is Lord. You must do the will of the Father. Now He says that it is also not enough to hear. You must do. Recognize that Jesus is God Himself and speaks with the authority of His Father. Acknowledge Him as the Lord and do His commands. It's not that you can do something to earn your way into the kingdom because you can't do anything, but that recognition begins with belief. Belief that Christ has done everything for me. He calls us to repent of our own way and go His way. That's why Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by Me. So believe what He said. Believe in Him. Respond by taking His teaching to heart. Follow it. Obeying is not simply doing good things. You can't do good things to build a good house. Obeying means to do the Father's will. And we do the Father's will when we belong to the Father's family. Because then we call Him Father and do His will as obedient children. Now the warning to the two different people. Let me finish with these two warnings. The warning to those who will not obey is clear. Your house will not stand. It will be destroyed. It will come down on you with a great crash. And though your house may look good right now, you might sit there and say, you know what? My house is doing just fine. My life is just fine as it is. I've gotten by this long without doing Christ's commands. I've gotten by this long my way. It's going to be okay. But Jesus promises the storm will come and it will reveal the foundation. Your sincerity makes no difference. Don't you think the foolish man sincerely wanted his house to stay firm? Don't you think he wanted it to stay standing in the storm? But sincerity doesn't matter. No matter how sincere your beliefs may be, or how elaborate the house you built may be, if it's not based on Christ and His Word, it will not last. Only those who built a house on rock, only those who build on the truths of God's Word, will withstand the test. Warren Wiersbe wrote, a false profession will last until judgment comes. 
But before it's too late, build your house on a rock. These storms are going to test the strength of that foundation. And if you've built on the wrong foundation, things like a profession of faith, what you said, or things like good works, what you did, they won't stand up to the storm. Your house will not, pro- will not stand. Jesus promises that day. But there's still time. If you can examine that house that you build and say, you know what, I recognize that the foundation I built this house on is the wrong foundation and you're still sucking air this morning, then there's still time to build it correctly. There is still time to build the new life with a new foundation. But one day there will be a storm. There will be a final judgment. And each man's house will be judged. And if it's not built on Christ, it will not stand. But there's a great assurance in these final words too. If you have built your house on the rock, Christ promises that if you build on the rock, you will not be disappointed. It will stand. Your house will not fall. That's why Jesus, uh, Paul wrote in, uh, in uh, Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the who believes in Him will not be put to shame. That's the promise that we have. Build on the rock, you won't be disappointed. If you've built your house on Christ and His truth, and you obey His commands, you can be confident and sing with the songwriter on Christ the solid rock. I stand. And you can echo the words of the psalmist. He wrote Psalm 62, God alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Would you pray with me?